and welcome to Crime Talk BK. Uh, we're your hosts, uh, Joanna Perpich and Megan Duffy. Good morning. And uh, by the time you hear this, snow will be will have blanketed the city. It's supposed to. So we're recording this Wednesday evening. It's supposed to snow tomorrow Thursday, and I suspect probably it'll still be pretty wintry through the weekend. Yeah, it's not going to be as bad as it is in Texas. Those poor souls. <clears throat> those poor souls, like my parents. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's um, crazy. That gov- that governor of yours down there. He's like, we don't owe you guys anything. Like, Greg what? Abbott is incompetent. There is actually a mayor who lost his job because he was saying that people are tough and that the weak need to be weeded out and that he strongly supported nobody getting any help. And he's like, if you don't have food, get a job. And I'm like, what if you can't walk to the store? What, you can't and so, the store. So he had to resign. He's just yeah. like in a small town in Texas. I'm like, my God. Fucker. Um, but no, actually, this is like a horrible issue for Texas, and it's completely manufactured. Um, so what happened is that uh, there have been these like rolling blackouts because um, there isn't enough like energy supply to keep up with um, how cold it is. Like people are just like trying to like blast their heat, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Also, the houses down there aren't insulated for this type of weather. They have right. like pretty good insulation for heat. Um, but you need different stuff for, um, the cold, like we don't have basements. So people's, yeah, their first floors get really cold because your house is just sitting on cement. Um, yeah, anyway, so Texas to avoid regulations has created a completely insular, um, gas and electrical system. So usually, like, say, if New York had a problem like this, we would just get our gas and electricity wired in through Connecticut, New Jersey, and probably Pennsylvania. Uh, But Texas can't do that because they didn't want to have, like, federal oversight. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking typical. God damn it. And it's just kind of... It's like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But the reason why all of these things went wrong at the same time is because years of deregulation. And you know what? Like, what is it? It's like these like laws and regulations are written in blood. Mm-hmm. And right now, just the blood's being drawn. And so Greg Abbott has said that he's going to put forth like a, he's going to try to advocate for emergency legislation to reform the um texas infrastructure but i'm also like that's not helping the old people right now who are sitting in my parents house was 54 degrees for three days that's very uncomfortable they are like old people yeah that's very uncomfortable and then they had a pipe burst and they had to rip out a bunch of drywall yeah that's another problem is because your house isn't insulated well enough and you don't have the proper heating all your pipes are going to burst yeah now, thankfully, um, our neighborhood is pretty, like, gun-ho about stuff. And so they had a neighbor who was going through, and he just repaired it for them. That's and nice. then the electricity turned back on. So they are okay. But there's still, like, a ton of people who aren't. And now, like, food supply lines have been interrupted because nobody can drive in snow, and there's not snow plows. 
So even if you have like a trucker who's like, I'm from Minnesota. Hi, Megan. Um, if the highways aren't plowed. <laughs> the highways know? aren't plowed or if they're all ice. Ice is the great uh, equalizer. I'm sorry. You can't drive on ice. Can't. There was a pile up in Dallas where it was something like seven people died. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my spiel. Stay home. Everybody just stay home. Um, I, I have to tell you, because I hate winter, generally speaking. Um, this has been the easiest part of the pandemic for me because I just don't ever have to leave the house. Yeah. So it keeps me my mood a bit more positive because I look outside and go, ugh. You don't want to leave anyway. So so just stay home. Have everything delivered. And it's it's a blessing to be able to, you know, say that we'll survive a winter without a fucking rolling blackouts and and food supplies and all that. It's just yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna you know, in the grand scheme of things, if if uh you know, climate change is real because it's real and they don't get their infrastructure problems settled sooner rather than later, this is gonna be a thing for them frequently. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I don't know what's. Texas is just having a meltdown. I'm glad I'm here. Rightfully so. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. I was thinking about that today. I was like, oh my god, what if she was down there this week? My parents thankfully have like a pretty robust fireplace, and um, it's like well ventilated. They're not going to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, but. They dragged my dad's easy chair and my mom's couch, like, right in front of it. Mm-hmm. And they've just been um, sleeping in front of the fireplace Aww. with all of their blankets. But thankfully, they both grew up in, like, the Midwest. Well, Southwest, I guess. Colorado and Iowa. And so they uh, kind of, like, know what's going on. But I was <laughs> reading this thing. A friend of mine lives in Corpus Christi, and he's like, I don't have a winter jacket. Oh, yeah, no. None of them have winter jackets. So. <laughs> the heaviest thing they have is, like, a hoodie. Yeah. But anyway, um, hopefully New York's snowstorm um, will go much smoother. Yeah, whatever. It can't be any worse than the last one we had. We're supposed to get, like, six inches a foot. Well, we had almost two feet, a foot and a half, the last, the last big one we had a couple weeks ago. Do you ever go look at snow, like, on the beach? Is it pretty? Usually by the time I want to get out there, it's, um, it's just like a, it's just like a mound of snow, and then, because the ocean has, like, swept in and made it just like this big pile of ice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go out in the snow when it's snowing. <laughs> no? Nope, I have no interest in doing that. Um, you got plenty when you were young. Yes, I've had my fill. Um, but I do, you know, I like I like the beach in the wintertime because there's nobody there. Yeah. Uh, well, weather aside, um, mm-hmm. what what type of news do you have this week? Um, what do I got? I've got um, the there's a meth lab in the Bronx. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw that one. <laughs> the uh, um, a little bit of sad news out of Florida. Um, I've got some NYPD records releasing. And what else do I have? Oh, um, 
Mayor de Blasio's stance on the new NYPD reforms. He's a dick. I hate him. And the A-Train slasher. Okay. That's funny. So we both covered two the same this week. What did you pick? Um, I picked, I covered uh, Meth Lab and Stabbing. So maybe we can both kind of do in, in um, input. Um, I have a little bit about, um, I don't know how to pronounce her, la- her name, Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine. Why is there an S? I don't know. She's foreign. <laughs> anyway, so I have some stuff about Ghislaine Maxwell. It's not anything too exciting. She's just having a pity party. She's had, She's been having a pity party since she got locked up, so. Yeah, fair enough. Um, And then, yeah, I have the, the Breaking Bad attempt, which I thought was kind of interesting because I've actually been watching El Camino, which is the Breaking Bad movie about Jesse. Oh, is it? Yeah, watching it like five years later. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of Breaking Bad. No, it's because I really liked Malcolm in the Middle, and the dad in Malcolm in the Middle becomes a chemistry teacher and then does a ton of meth. Well, I guess makes meth. He doesn't really do it. You mean I'm actually really impressed with um, Walter White's, um, like ability to. Uh, sorry, I'm like hangry and I can't think words. <laughs> um, <laughs> Self-restraint. If I was making the purest meth ever in existence, mm-hmm. I would definitely do some. Oh, I don't. You can't raid your own stash? Just like a little bit. He was making so much. No, never touch your own stash. Mm-mm. Jesse <laughs> did some. What happened he, to Jesse? Well, he lived to a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> he's doing okay. Uh, yeah, also, meth scares crap out of me. So I just, yeah. But I watched I watched two episodes, and I got to that whole, we're going to dissolve the body in the tub with the acid. And I was like, I can't, this is not for me. Oh, this it. is funny. So my dad was watching that episode with me, and he's like, this kid is stupid. You need to do it in a tub. And, of course, like, or in plastic or whatever the thing is. Because the chemical will eat away at some stuff, but not others. And he, like, called it as soon as he heard the name of the chemical. He's like, that's not going to work. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, whatever. And then, sure enough, like, that's, like, the big reveal of the episode is, is that Jesse's incompetent and doesn't know how to get rid of a dead body correctly. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, <laughs> props to my scientist dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um... Yeah, I have the meth lab. I have uh, Letitia James suing Amazon. Okay. Uh, which I got some very strong Schadenfreude vibes from. And um, then I have a feel-good story about how New York City churches are handling Ash Wednesday. Which okay. is Um. Well, let me get the saddest piece of news out front. All right. Um. So... Um, Alexis Braxton was found dead in her apartment at the Carmel at at the California condominiums in Miami on February 4th, around 10 p.m. by her family who had called the police because they hadn't heard from her. 
She is a uh, black trans woman. Um, she is the sixth violent death of transgender people in 2021 so far, according to the Human Rights Campaign. And um, they police um, have posted a security video of their suspect. Um, you can find it. Um, um, just Google it online for Alexis Braxton murderer. She. Yeah, that's all I really I just wanted to bring it to everybody's attention. Um she was murdered in her apartment. More details will come out as they as the postmortem comes out. But uh, this is where I drop in the Crime Stoppers number for Dade County, Miami Dade. It's three 305-471 tips. It's 305-471 tips. Um, calls are kept anonymous and may be eligible for up to a five thousand dollar reward. With information leading to the arrest of this person in the video. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as we've said on the show before, um, and it continues to be true, um, trans people, especially trans women and trans women of color, are at, like, an unbelievably high risk of violence mm-hmm. and um, murder. <laughs> you know, like, you know. Just for simply being doesn't even sound like she was living a high-risk lifestyle. She was just living in this, you know. Yeah, no, it's not like folks are getting in knife fights at bars. No, it's not like she's she's out working, doing sex work, you know, like she's, yeah. It's just um, they're simply being themselves. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, ultimately, the problem here is transphobia. Uh, but if you're trans and you're listening to the show and uh, you need a bit of support. Um, the Gay Center, or I guess it's just called The Center. Their website's called gaycenter.org. Um, they are in Chelsea and the people who work there are delightful. Um, I worked with them on a documentary and uh, they have a bunch of resources on their website um, and also some like trans specific resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also give you their phone number. It's 212-620-7310. That's 212-620-7310. And I'll also add that, like, I don't know, like, I have some friends in the trans community who, even though their lives are relatively stable, even, like, hearing news like this can be frankly kind of traumatizing yeah you know and so you know like places like the center can you know also help connect you with like mental health resources if you need something like that okay and that web page again is what it's uh literally gaycenter.org okay (laughs) just very straightforward thank you for that yeah i wanted to just bring that to everybody's attention because it just makes me very very sad and angry yeah, for sure. Um, do you want me to take something else so you can have a snack? <laughs> <laughs> um, only if you want to. I've got a bit of a longer one. Um, right. So on Tuesday, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals threw out a challenge from 
a coalition of police and other unions that sought to bar New York City agencies from releasing thousands of previously secret NYPD disciplinary records. So reports Gothamist. They did a really great piece on this. Um, So this, you know, this could particularly usher a unprecedented public access to these um, closely protected disciplinary records. So while we wait for the unions to announce whether they're going to appeal the ruling, um, Gothamist and WNYC gained access to a small trove of these particular records that are misconduct findings and disciplinary decisions, giving um, sort of a, a sort of a people view of what's um, on in the records more broadly and what they could potentially reveal. Um, they were released by the Staten Island District Attorney's Office in response to a FOIA request by the media organization. And prosecutors maintain records on uh, NYPD misconduct because they are required by law to do that and to share information that could undermine the credibility of police witnesses with defendants, um, which they rarely do. Uh, so 824 misconduct filings were released. A... Um, Let's see. These include things like lying, excessive force, firearm misuse, domestic violence, and driving under the influence. Um, Around half of the officers who committed these offenses suffered only lost vacation days, verbal instructions, or written reprimands instead of more serious punishments like reassignments or termination. I read somewhere that some some people seem to think that lost vacation days is a big deal to these people or these police officers because they're essentially just working for free. And like, no, I think I don't I don't think a loss of a vacation day is actually a big deal in my humble fucking opinion. Um, So, um, of course, the NYPD officials say that the disciplinary system is functioning properly, while others say Uh, It responds too harshly to officers who violate department policy. Um, But the police accountability advocates are finding these trends um, disconcerting. There's a lack of transparency around the records. And um, that has for years prevented victims of police violence and harassment from knowing whether they're the first victim of this or a long in a long line of victims by the same police officer or officers. Um, You're not the victim. Usually not. No. Um, Most, so most of these records only provide short summaries of the misconduct and may lack references to mitigating factors. Not sure what those would be. Um, 400 officers named in these documents are a small fraction of the total force, which is like about 36,000 NYPD officers. So this is, you know, a really, really small sample of the data set. So let's see. So roughly half of the findings in this group fell under the umbrella of minor misconduct. I don't know how that makes us feel. You know, that's a broader category. That's illegal parking, shoddy paperwork, missed court appearances, loss of NYPD equipment, social media violations, and tardiness. Um, In approximately two-thirds of these cases of the 826 um, where discipline was documented, these violations resulted in verbal warnings from commanders, 
or at most lost vacation days. Numerous instances, the documents did not actually indicate what kind of punishment was handed down. Um, so there's that. And then another 18% constituted what NYPD labels, quote unquote, rules violations, failure to activate body cameras, racial or biased policing, failure to properly invoice seized evidence, such as These drugs and cash. Tools. Yeah. And then more, more than 96% of these officers suffered punishment no harsher than the removal of earned vacation time for these violations. And in no instance did an officer who failed to activate his body camera receive more than a minor discipline. There's a reason why <clears throat> body cameras are important. Yes, I know, girl. Um, the remaining 30% of the discipline. <laughs> yes, girl. The remaining 30% of the disciplinary actions in these documents qualified for the most egregious penalties, most serious penalties. Under the new guidelines, behaviors like drunk driving, domestic violence, lying, and lying, 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 hey, <laughs> and use of excessive force while on duty. Uh, harshest penalties for these, suspensions, transfers, transfers changes of assignment or probations, um, and that occurred at about a quarter of that 30%. So, that happened. Now, remember a couple weeks ago we talked about how the the, the big reforms that they wanted to pass in New York were, like, um, removing the pol police commissioner's final authority over disciplinary matters? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, they finally... Uh, had a talk and, and uh, with the mayor about that, and Mayor Bill de Blasio's administration will not support an effort by the city council to remove the police commissioner's final authority, breaking with progressive lawmakers and reform advocates who are working to roll back that particular longstanding power possibly yeah. used. Um, that came out on Tuesday as well concerning um, this big police reform package the um, city council had introduced late last month. This is, it intends to also end uh, qualified immunity, right, for officers in certain cases and to give the council a role in selecting the police commissioner. Um, all of these will also be opposed by the mayor's administration. These are the biggest targets, by you know, these were the big ones that I was all gung-ho for. And, of course, the mayor is like, no, we're not going to do that. Um, so his swift rejection of all of these comes in as New York City faces a state-imposed deadline to adopt reform practices by the end of March, which was set by Governor Cuomo after the summer's riots. Um, Glad to see it, we're on track to make that deadline. Oh, yeah, right. Um, Adrian Adams, who is the chair of the Public Safety Committee, said the council was forced to introduce their own measures because of the mayor's ongoing refusal to release a draft of his reform plan. So um, representatives for the mayor and the NYPD touted a newly adopted disciplinary matrix and a memo of understanding stating that police department would more closely follow the recommendations issued by the Civilian Complaint Review Board more closely follow, not definitively follow. I would just like to highlight that part there. The matrix, the matrix is not legally binding or particularly detailed and does little to address the years-long pattern of ignoring 
discipline recommendations issued by the CCRB, blah, blah, blah. So we're basically back to square one where we were in April of last year before the riots this summer. <clears throat> That's frustrating. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm and like I don't know, it's not like this is just some academic reform thing, you know, like police misconduct destroys lives. It destroys the city. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a divisive you know, it's just it's just like any other uh, when you look at two factions fighting against it's like you're supposed to be policing the communities that you live in. Mm -hmm. Don't go around acting like us and them us versus them. It's not it's not helpful and it creates even more problems. Yeah. <sighs> OK. Yeah. You know, it's and, funny because people in other parts of the country are like, New York, so liberal. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, we have some problems. In the meantime, Minneapolis is gearing up for the uh, killing of George Floyd trial. Mm-hmm. So I will keep an eye out on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, they're trying to figure out security issues at this point. What's going to be in person? What's not going to be in person? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I have one thing that New York did that's really awesome. Okay. Uh, so Attorney General Letitia James is suing Amazon. Hmm. Did you hear about this? Well, I kind of breezed by it. She's suing a lot of people these days. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. She's fairly active. Not that they don't deserve it, but... You know, she's kind of badass. Um, anyway, like her. Yeah. So Letitia James is suing Amazon over their lack of COVID-19 safety protocols. Okay. Which, uh, you know, like, yeah, that sounds like Amazon. Um, so basically, um, she's saying that Amazon has failed to protect its workers in um, the. Uh, warehouses in Staten Island and Queens. Amazon failed to comply with requirements for cleaning and disinfection when infected workers were present at the facilities. Mm -hmm. And um, Amazon also failed to identify and notify uh, people who had been around infected workers. So they're just like not even attempting to really do contact tracing. Oh, great. I know, right? You're like, oh, I see. This is why stuff is so mad, bad in May. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> also, uh, they would retaliate against people who brought up concerns about how they were handling COVID. Right? So there's this uh, one person, Christian Smalls, who last March was fired um, for kind of just like speaking out against the company and being like, we can't work under these conditions. We're going to die. Mm. You know? And he, like, is he the one, is he the whistleblower that brought it to the AG's office or is there like a, a, a laundry list of complainants or how did it, how did it get to 
Letitia? That is a good question. Um, I don't really think that this article really answers that. Okay. Um, I am just looking real quick, but my computer is frozen. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't really like say specifically what's been going on in terms of like how the lawsuit came about. I mean, <clears throat> Amazon has like a pretty sordid history when it comes to uh, worker protection. So I'm sure that as soon as COVID-19 happened, uh, you know, in general, like watchdog agencies are going to get suspicious of right. their actions. Now, plot twist, Amazon decided to sue Letitia James. <laughs> <laughs> Um, saying on Friday, saying so that just, she just do what the NRA did, pack it up and leave, pack it up and leave. <laughs> she overstepped her boundaries by launching the probe, and uh, said that Amazon had passed unannounced inspections um, March 30th, and they're like, well, if we passed the inspections, then clearly we were doing fine, and I'm like. That's like a weird reason. Like, do they really need an, an excuse to do a probe? Here's the thing. March 30th. My office shut down on March 13th. So mm -hmm. they weren't even required to have any sort of COVID protections on March 30th. Yeah. Um. So your logic is flawed, sir. <laughs> it's flawed in a couple ways. Um, Amazon told New York Post, quote, we care deeply about the health and safety of our employees, as demonstrated in our filing last week. And we don't believe the attorney general's filing presents an accurate picture of Amazon's industry leading response to the pandemic. OK, buddy. I mean, I am um, just spitballing here. I don't know if this is actually true or not, but. I'm pretty sure at one point a few years ago I heard that like so Amazon uses these like robots in their warehouses to like pick up equipment and give it to people and like the robots were dropping things on workers mm -hmm. and then Amazon is like we'll go call an ambulance from the parking lot you know and then if it's like in the parking lot it's not technically on Amazon's property so you can't get workers comp. Yeah, they've had some shady shit going on um, with um, their employees for a long time, whether it's they're not giving overtime pay, they're not getting proper breaks, they're not, you know, they're, they've got a lot of shit. They've had, doesn't, doesn't yeah. surprise me at least. So saying that you care deeply about the health and safety of your employees feels a little disingenuous. Um, also mentioned in the lawsuit is that Amazon has made bank on the pandemic. It, yeah, it, yeah. It made Bezos a trillionaire. So uh, Amazon has made more than $130 billion in profit, um, representing a 35% growth um, just over since the pandemic began. And mm -hmm. um, so Letitia Shames pretty much just being like, you know what? They are consistently putting profit before their workers. Why would we expect it differently now? Here are the things that we found. I believe her. 
Well, you know, it's just like when they say industry leader, industry standard leader. Well, yeah, you're a leader in a certain way. Like you're a leader of bad practice and being <laughs> a huge dick. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Just like the pork industry in, in the Dakotas and Iowa. Then this whole oh. thing happened. They're like, no, we're no. Same thing. No contact tracing, no PPE. They basically wrote their own order that the government that actually Ivanka Trump wrote for mm-hmm. them. So, you know, big corps, man. Yeah. They don't particularly like being told what to do. That's all about the bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So that's mm-hmm. my tech uh tech news. Fuck everybody. Just makes me so mad. Um, all right. So let's talk about the meth lab. <laughs> all right, Megan, take it away. Okay, so first of all, this is in a vacant Bronx apartment. It's not some house in the desert, right? It's a, an apartment. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so on the 3rd of February, DEA agents raided and cops raided this lab at 3204 Kingsbridge Avenue, directly across the street from an elementary school, as you said, seized 22 pounds of meth, 45 grams of heroin, and 2,000 narcotics pills, according to a release from the special narcotics prosecutor of the city. Uh which is, is that's a lot of fucking drugs. <laughs> right? So inside the unfurnished apartment, they found baking trays and large metal pots on the stove with sifter fuel, crystal meth, and other drug paraphernalia. Um, Conversion labs designed to transform liquid meth into crystals, which require dangerous chems, chemicals that are highly flammable, and they could have blown up this entire building, basically, what they're saying. So during the investigation, agents reviewed surveillance footage and identified three dudes, Inoue Acosta, Luis Rios, and Angel Zepeda, entering the unit, sometimes carrying gallon drums of acetone. Not fucking rocket scientists, I will tell you. Let's just make it as obvious as possible that we're cooking up some shit in our apartment. Um, All three men were arrested, charged with multiple counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance, burglary, and criminally using drug paraphernalia. Cepeda happens to be the building super. (laughs) And faces one count of criminal facilitation. I did not catch that. (laughs) Didn't mean to choke on your snacks. Yeah, so this... As fucked up as it is, I feel like this is a little bit funny. Because nothing tragic happened, right? No one died. No one got blown up. Like, the drugs are are, seri- are serious and, and awful. But, like, hey, I'm the building super. Bring over all your acetone. We'll hang out and drink beers, listen to some Carlos Santana, and cook up some meth. That sounds like a good plan. I think it's really funny that... um. No, yeah, <laughs> this is super. Um, but also something, so this uh, 
article in the New York Post mentions Breaking Bad like several times. Mm. And I'm like, Sorry. I'm glad that that's our only cultural touchstone. Well, any puns? <laughs> right. So I I saw the headline on the post and I I looked elsewhere because I'm like I want to I want to see if I what else I can find out. And that's where I when I found the super factoid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to any, any of the good puns that the uh, New York Post typically offers. Um, and then something else that I thought was really interesting was the reporter was talking about how, um, meth labs like this in the city are actually super rare because in general, like, well, there's no privacy, Yeah. you know, like they stink too. You can't, you can't live among your neighbors and not have, not have them notice the smell. Yeah. And then it's like, are you really going to be carrying like these drums of chemicals like up the stairs and like excuse me sorry ignore me you know um and they're saying that just in general like these types of like meth cook labs are um very uncommon in high density cities um it also makes it a lot more dangerous because if they blow themselves up they're blowing up probably other people too yeah people your neighbor is above you Below you and next door to you. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. <clears throat> I am glad no one was hurt. <laughs> I am too. These guys are. It's like you know. It's like the Three Stooges. Yeah. It really, it really is. It's not. It's just. It's fortunate that nothing horrible happened. But Jesus Christ. I've been getting a lot of those Three Stooges style criminals recently. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, uh, you want to go into the, I can do the subway stabbing? Sure. All right. So, um, the A-Train Ripper. Come on. Why does it always have to be a ripper, though? Because he wants to rip her up. Come on. It could be a slasher. It's a slasher. It's a slasher. Oh. Um... Let me see. So, Rigoberto Lopez uh, was caught over the weekend for basically a uh, subway slashing spree. That's my words, not the post. See, I can be clever with, I can be clever too. Mm. Um, Actually, it's pretty upsetting. Um, So, he went through a crime spree over... Um, I think it was, like, just, like, a weekend. So, it started on Friday morning, and then he was caught, I think, on Sunday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was arrested. Yep. And uh, he killed two people and uh, hurt two others. And um, it's it seems like everyone involved was homeless. Rigoberto was homeless, and then his victims were also homeless. I think so. I think that's true. And um, all of these crimes, from what I can tell, take place in um, on the A train in like um, Upper Manhattan, and it looks like the Bronx as well. Yeah. Um, yep. Bronx, Washington Heights, and um, Inwood. Oh no, one of them's in Far Rockaway. No, that's where the that's where the train ends. 
I don't take the A train. Oh, no, it does. It does. You're right. It did. Far Rockway out here. Yeah. By the airport. Riding up and I saw Mott Avenue, and I was just thinking Mott Haven. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's just riding up and down the A, causing chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to start out with the crimes. Uh, so the spree began Friday morning, um, not actually very far from where uh, he was eventually caught. At 11.30 a.m., so this is in the morning, a 67-year-old man uh, was stabbed as he was pushing his walker along the platform. And this was at 181st Street in Washington Heights. Apparently, this guy just screams, I'm going to kill you. And then uh, stabs this poor old guy in, like, the knee and then the butt. He had to get surgery. Um, But thankfully, you know, he's okay. He's recovering well. Yeah. So that's good. Um, But then 12 hours later, um, a man was found stabbed to death, uh, but still slumped in his seat. Oh, that freaks me out. Um, He was, uh, and this is at the Mott Avenue station in Far Rockaway. Okay, so it's not clear where the um, stabbing took place. Because, of course, you find you at the end of the line when the subway conductor goes around and shakes you. (laughs) It's like off the train. Yeah. Um, Everybody off. Everybody off. So that's death one. And then um, two hours later, a 44-year-old woman was also found sprawled dead in a pool of blood. And she was tucked under her seat. Mm. Um, which I think shows some level of, like, awareness about what's what you're doing if you're trying to hide the body, even if you're not, like, or I guess maybe she, like, crawled under the seat to escape the guy, but but still. Maybe. Um, and that was uh, the A train at 207th Street in Inwood. Yeah, so sorry, the A does not go to the Bronx. I don't... It's been a while since I've lived in Manhattan. <laughs> don't judge me. I haven't been any farther than Harlem, so... In, uh, Manhattan, in Manhattan, anyway. And then, um, again, at 1.28 a.m., a 43-year-old man was uh, stabbed as he slept in a stairwell at West 181st Street. And he's doing fine. Uh, So, in response to this, the NYPD uh, Commissioner Dermot Shea responded with a uh, 500 additional cops, um, which makes sense. This is kind of terrifying. Um, Were they... So, hmm. Were they in stations? Were they on the train? Do you know? It was like, I think, a combo. And I'm not even sure if all 500 were actually, like, part of the subway, but I think it was just, like, transit hubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw a few photos um, kind of, like, related to the crimes, and it's, like, NYPD's just, like, walking up and down the aisles. Um, <clears throat> so who is Rigoberto Lopez? Uh, it's actually pretty upsetting. Uh, so... I believe that he is also someone who's in, in and out of homelessness. Um, his family says that he has, like, a pretty big history of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Most people with mental health issues are not violent. Um, but we also need better mental health system in place for people who maybe would become violent. Like, if his uh, symptoms were being managed well then this definitely would not have happened. And I think that actually, um, I'm pulling up the article really slowly. 
but I, I believe that I was reading that he was actually in contact with a social worker before COVID to kind of help him stay on top of everything and that he's just kind of lost a lot of his support. Mm. It's really upsetting. And I mean, I don't know, like that kind of makes sense. You know, yeah, he's seen a social worker before the coronavirus pandemic stopped his visits and he was only 21. Yeah, he, you know, I looked at pictures of him. He looks a lot older than 21. Yeah. In those photos. So I actually recognized him. You've seen him on the train? Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't really, he was just kind of like walking up and down the aisle. He wasn't like doing anything. But, yeah, I, I've seen him in um, 14th and 8th. No, it's not 8th. It's over by, like, the West Village. I've seen him. West 4th? Yeah. I think so. I don't know if there's an ace top there or not, but. um, Yeah. So, I mean, you, you feel this is just a horrible situation. Uh, um, well, he has been remanded. And ordered medical attention while he's uh, case is ongoing. The judge ordered to get him some medical attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. The most forgotten people have been completely forgotten about during this pandemic. Yeah. It's really, it's really sad. Um. Mhm. Do you have anything else, sir? I. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I went through this rather quickly. Do you have anything else? Um. Let me see. I can talk to you about my Lent one, which makes me feel happy. Okay. Um. Are you Catholic? Yes. You were. I was. I am okay. now a full-blown atheist. But I understand. So, you know, as long as you ain't shoving it down my throat, I don't care what you do. I don't mind. Actually, I feel like Catholicism, at least the Catholicism that I was raised with, was, was that you shouldn't shove it down people's throats. Yeah, that's not the one I was raised with. <laughs> I just distinctly remember rereading this like passage in the Bible that was like, if you are, um, like, fasting and are all, like, miserable, you're supposed to, like, wear your best clothes and put on makeup so people can't tell. <laughs> they can still tell you're miserable because you're walking around with a frowny face. And well, sure, sure. But they're, like, don't do something just so you have social credit. Do it because you actually think it's the right thing to do. Anyway. Yes. No, I know. Um, <clears throat> so... Today, as of this recording, is Ash Wednesday. Um, happy late Mardi Gras. I celebrated by myself yesterday. I, I actually got to eat king cake this year. Yay! I made beignets. Oh, that sounds good. They're delicious. I know you're not particularly interested in frying foods, but I highly recommend beignets. Yeah, it's worth it? Mm-hmm. Have Ash do it. <laughs> I hate, I find it very intimidating. Um, I fried tofu for the first time the other day, and that was a process. I was, like, standing back, throwing the tofu into the Yeah, yeah. 
don't throw the batter into the oil. Big problem. But big deep pot mm-hmm. with the proper scooper and the oil doesn't fly out as much. I have a Dutch oven. And I have a spider strainer so I can theoretically. Yeah, you, just need, you, don't, you don't need to. It doesn't need to be six inches deep. It's just a couple inches so they can, you know, bob around. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe we'll do that. Um, anyway, uh, so Ash Wednesday is usually a very physical um, holiday for Catholics because you're supposed to go and the priest literally puts ashes on your forehead. Mm-hmm. And uh, with COVID, they've had to get a little bit creative. Uh, so I was lame and watched Mass with my parents because uh, the church that they go to has been doing it digitally. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. streaming it. I so respect I that. that. I and totally actually, respect the Catholic Church doing virtual services. Yeah, I think it's amazing because I can be on my phone and nobody yells at me. I can drink wine through it. <laughs> Just the whole time. The whole time. I don't have to wait in line for it. <laughs> the priest isn't staring at me when I empty the cup. I know. Um, well, actually, what that priest, what father, what the priest at my parents' church did was that they just sprinkled ashes on top of your head, so it would be contactless. But in New York, um, the priests, like, he had requested ahead of time, but they would make these little, like, go bags, like, to go ashes, just, like, in a little Ziploc, and they're blessed, and you can go home, and there's, like, a little prayer, and you just put it on yourself. That's cute. I thought so. It made me happy. Um, I, I wish I had known about that because then I would have requested some. Um, mine aren't blessed, but I've got plenty at my house if you need some. Yeah, Ash was watching me get a little bit, like, emotional because I, like, always, always go to Ash Wednesday. It's, like, very important to me. And he's like, do you want me to, like, go to our, like, ashtray? I can, like, put some on you. And I'm like, no. It's not the same. Not the same. No, I have a lot of friends when we were, you know, in the before times, my office is right um, three blocks from St. Patrick's Cathedral. So all of the of the faith in the office would go together and get their ashes. That yeah. day. And I thought, I, was, I thought it was just really nice that they did like this group thing. Yeah, it's nice. really cute. Yeah, it's really sweet. I love getting ashes in New York because they have it down to a T. It's like mm-hmm. a little like conveyor belt mm-hmm. you just like walk in and there's all these different people who are set up to give you ashes it takes like 10 minutes you go during your lunch break and then they have like masks like running in the background sometimes if you want to go yeah stay for about 20 minutes and i don't know light candles or whatever but um it's cool houston you gotta actually like go to the mass yeah they don't care about ask, your lunch break. <laughs> I gotta ask, what does the church look like? Is it an old church, like an old, old church, or is it more of a modern-y kind of church? Because if I'm going to go to a church, it better be old as fuck. No, okay, it's funny. So the church that my parents go to because it's close to our house was, like, built during, like, the 70s. And when I was growing up, they had, like, these, like, bur- burnt orange fabric pews, and it's, like, horrible. Mm-hmm. But um, Houston has a cathedral that was built within like the last 15 years. And so it's very modern, but it's also one of the most beautiful churches I've ever been in. Okay. So there are beautiful Mod- modern you're churches. Talking mar- modern by age or modern by style? Both. 
Like, they worked really hard. So, you know, like, we have, like, the Rothko Chapel in Houston. Like, I think we there's, like, a more, like, modern, like, very, like, simple element, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, like, pared down. And so the Co-Cathedral is, like, very clean lines and... The, um, like, the color schemes inside is very, like, ethereal and, like, white. And they have this, like, kind of a sage green, like, marble, if I recall. It's been a while since I've been there. Um, but it's just gorgeous. But it's gorgeous in, like, a super different way than St. Pat's. <laughs> okay, so my – I love an old church. I love those hundreds of years of incense coming off the floors and the walls. That's I love the, I love the ritual of a mass, but I'm not a believer. So – like I'll, every time I travel, I'll go into their old church and give yeah. them a couple euros or whatever the, you know, light a couple candles and and um go look at the church, and take yeah. pictures because I love stained glass and I love that smell. I love that smell of an old musty. Mm-hmm. We've been here for 600 years, kind of church. It is really cool to think that the prayers that you know are the same prayers that have been said in that space for hundreds of years except sometimes more likely in latin it's the words are the same yes the words are the same um i consider myself to be a secular catholic like a cultural catholic Mm -hmm. which i think is becoming more of a thing than it used to be um yeah because i mean it's like at least i like grew up in like a very strongly religious community and uh, there is no getting the tradition out of this girl. <laughs> <laughs> but Lent is really, really beautiful. It's that it's nice to take like a month or two off to kind of um, do self-reflection. Well, you got the dope Pope now, too. Yeah, we have Pope Francis. <laughs> dope, the dope <laughs> Pope. I, I mean, I can see him like enjoying a uh, jazz uh, and having like a snifter whiskey before going to bed. He's the dope pope. <laughs> um, okay. I can't find it. He's better than that last one we had. I was who looked like he was from the SS. I, I sorry, but not sorry. I was not a super fan of Ratzinger, but I did get the day off of school when um, he was chosen, which was cool. Well, we didn't get the day off because we decided to go to school, but we just talked about the Pope the entire day, and we didn't have any classes. Uh, yeah, I... When I was in school, I think JP2 was the Pope the entire time I was alive. Up yeah. until Ratsy. He was there for a while. <laughs> he was there for a long-ass time. He was the inventor of the Pope-mobile... Um, God, my school was so Catholic. I was just... I went to, yeah, I went to Annunciation grade school and Mm -hmm. the Academy of the Holy Angels. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I went to a Sacred Heart school. They were awesome. Oh, there's, there's, there's a Sacred Heart in every town. (laughs) Well, no, it's, there's a specific order. Yeah. Um, Minneapolis has a Sacred Heart. Yeah, Minneapolis does. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like many big cities. Uh, there is one, I think, in the Upper East Side that Lady Gaga went to. Mm-hmm. 
So she is technically an alum of the same school system as me. Mm. Anyway, um, I had someone once wish me a happy Ash Wednesday. And I was like, thanks, man. <laughs> okay. It's not exactly the happiest holiday. It's not the happiest uh, holiday. <laughs> he has not risen yet. Wait till Easter. <laughs> Um, well, I think that that's all that I have. I was, that's funny that you say that because one of my office friends who, he's my work, he was my work husband and he, um, he got laid off during the pandemic and he's very Catholic. Yeah. And I was thinking about texting him happy Ash Wednesday. And then I was like, nope, today's not the day. (laughs) Talk to him. You're supposed to sneak in the day before. Yeah. I should have said happy Mardi Gras. Anyway, but that's, um, that's my day. Fat Tuesday is my day. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining us on Crime Talk BK, and uh, please join us next week. Later days. Later days.